Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a benefit that a good amount of people have if they work for a, a public company. And, you know, obviously, the people are all sorts of, I'm sure people tuning in are, are in all sorts of different types of, of roles and t- different types of companies. But this particular benefit is, is, I don't think I've ever seen it applied to a, a private company before. But it's related to employee stock purchase plan, ESPP. And what is it? How does it work? How to optimize? And what are some things that you can think about and maybe some resources you can consult? But um, yeah, I guess maybe we start the basics there, Lauren, of what the employee stock purchase plan is and and yeah, what's what's the deal? Hmm. It's a little bit complicated, but I'll I'll start with the basics and I'll let you kind of fill in. So yeah, like employee stock purchase plan sounds like it's usually a program that employers allow their employees to purchase their company's stock uh, at a discount, typically. Almost always it's a discount. That's really the why, how they incentivize you to, to make that purchase. And I think really the, com- the reason why companies do that is similar-ish to why they might provide you RSUs or equity as part of your compensation. It's to, it's to make people feel invested, literally, in, you know, in, in the success of the company. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of it at a high level. I mean, there's a lot of different sort of timing and windows and i think you know these details can can vary per company so you definitely need to look at what your company offers but we can kind of talk generally about maybe some of the more common structures or or processes that some have but yeah that's at a high level you want to take it from there yeah so yeah i think on top of that so really they've got Usually a discount of anywhere from 10 to 15% is typically what I've seen where it is. Now, this is important to understand. So uh, most of the time, you're going to see a discount off either the beginning. So I guess breaking down, you have offering periods. And these are periods in which the uh, plan where the plan is able to you're able to see what you're going to be purchasing the shares at and that's that's important because you could actually get more than a discount of 10 15%. So let's just say that we're starting with $100 a share just to make the math easier and let's say you also got a 15% discount on this in this particular plan. And let's say that it's a 6 month offering period and let's just say that you also have a 1 year total total enrollment period. So if if we're starting at $100 and then let's just say it goes to $110. So the very end of that offering period. So if if that you know you're basically taking the 15% off of the lower of the two. And so that in in our examples case that would be $85. So you're paying you're buying stock that is actually worth $110 and you're paying $85 for it. So it is a fantastic plan to take advantage of. And I don't have math off the top of my head right there, but that's a great return that yeah, uh, yeah, you, it's you, a really good return. take advantage of, right? With, with virtually, virtually no risk mm-hmm. there. The important caveat here is that no risk applies only on when you are first delivered the shares into your account. And so if you hold on to those shares, of course, you're taking on the price risk of the underlying company. So 
yeah uh, pause there for any yeah uh, no, I, further. Think, I think that's touched on some really important aspects which was you get a discount and typically it's not just the discount from the kind of the the publicly traded price when you purchase it it's usually the like the discount to the lower of two prices which is the price when you purchase it as well as the beginning of that period so it sometimes could be six months before or in some cases i think it could be even a year so there's a really you know large opportunity for that discount to be much greater than 15 percent. so not only are you getting a 15 percent discount but it could be a lot greater than that so it's the return is really great and so i think the other point you touched on was it's sort of like free money but that's assuming that you sell it pretty much as soon as you purchase it and i don't know i can't say from like a, how common that is both like my wife's company and i we they allow that allow us to sell it pretty much as long as soon as you purchase it there's no minimum holding period or anything like that so as long as you do that i mean sure the price could move a slight you know then you know a little bit within a day or two whatever how long it takes to, to sell it but hardly at all and so if you do that it really is kind of like free money. And so something that Dementia we didn't talk about is like typically you contribute throughout a period and you kind of build up a balance. And then when you hit these purchase dates, the funds that you have contributed are used to to make these purchases. So you do have to pay the money ahead of time. So you are out the money for a little bit of time, but still the return is is really great. Much better, kind of better return than you'll get kind of usually anywhere else. Again, assuming that you sell it immediately. Yeah. And so I do want to touch on one thing that I have seen certain plans have that mandatory hold period for after they have purchased the share. So sometimes it's a year. I've even seen like two years. It's it's it can be quite quite lengthy. So definitely important for you to know that that minor detail before diving in headfirst. And then to your to your point you just made there, yeah, you're making contributions throughout your your on your paycheck every every so often, much like you would in a 401k and any other kind of payroll deductions and that sort of thing. Now, important to know, this is taxable dollars. It's unlike a 401k where you could put dollars in pre-tax. These dollars you're putting in are have already been taxed. And so maybe, I guess, as we're bringing up taxes here, probably helpful to, to cover that component of it. And it's interesting because this is a little bit more uh, complex if you decide to hold on to it. So. Um, Let's go back to the examples. We've got something that we bought for $85 that's actually worth $110. Um, that difference is uh, the 110 minus the 85. That difference is is compensation income. And then if the, depending on how long you hold it, and if the, sh- the stock price goes up or it goes down, it could be either a capital gain, a short-term or a long-term capital gain or loss. There is... Similar to the incentive stock option, there is a qualif- what's called a qualifying disposition, which, which basically means, hey, you have to hold it for this period in order to, for you to get this, this favorable tax treatment. And so I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying this clearly and correctly. I've, I've got my notes here. But basically, if you hold the stock for two years after the offering date, the, f- the very beginning of the offering date, and at least one year after the purchase date, that would then qualify you for long-term capital gains treatment. You know, that, that'd be long-term capital gain for the entire sort of benefit that you received, right? So 
that correct, right? So you, you got $110 stock for $85. That $25 gain, that would be taxed at long-term capital gains? So the difference, the 110 minus 85 is still compensation income, but it's the uh, uh, the additional gain or profit that you receive above and beyond the 110 would be taxed at, at least according to this, this, this is Intuit's TurboTax website, hmm. so they may be incorrect there. And uh, we'll we'll definitely link link to to some some tax guidance there, and of course recognize that we are not uh, tax advisors. So, but yeah, that, they seem to claim that 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 particular period. But I guess the important point in, in in all of this is to say that it's it's not actually it can be longer than holding it for a year to get this favorable treatment. So. Uh, I think that kind of puts it more in, in the camp of you really, really have to believe in the in the underlying company and you're taking on a lot more risk than you would say buying that on just a, a normal stock, you know, a brokerage account or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that the, the way this is written that, it, you know, the incentivizing you to, to stay in the stock for that long. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound like much of an incentive at all. I mean, that sounds just like a normal, I mean, that's, sounds like it is even more restrictive than just receiving RSUs directly. So yeah, I wish I wasn't aware of that. But uh, yeah, to be honest, it's not something that I'm super familiar with just because, yeah, I think you mentioned like, you know, just that that risk-free reward become, it's no longer risk-free if you decide to, if you hold on the stock for a year or two years. I mean, that's a really long time. Uh, So not something that I would recommend at all for folks. I think you already, you know, if if you receive, for instance, equity compensation as part of your total compensation, you'll you know you already will benefit from the value of the, the company stock rising as you know typically um, you know the way that your kind of compensation is is structured. Like you, the number of shares you're getting is is kind of fixed every year based on kind of the initial grant. And so as that dollar of each share increases over time, like that will lead to more compensation. So you already benefit from that gain. If they'd increase, and then certainly if you continue to contribute to the ESPP every offering period, then again you'll have that opportunity to get get that bigger discount, right? Because if if the stock ends at a higher price than when it started in that uh, offering period, I guess or purchase period, I kind of get this confused sometimes. It's it can be kind of confusing, but yeah, you will get it. You'll get a discount to the lower of it again, so you're really benefiting. So definitely don't recommend people holding on to to that, especially like doing something for tax treatment is typically the amount of savings that you can get from trying to solve for tax problems or holding an investment for tax reasons is typically not is is unlikely i think to be greater than the risk mm-hmm. yeah yeah let's not let the the tax tail wag the dog there so yeah i agree it's it's something you'd probably just want to from a strategy perspective obviously again make sure that you know how 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 long you might have to hold it, and then uh, from there sell it immediately, take that again, and then and then you know either invest that in, in something more diversified than, than your company stock. A couple more of the, the basics here. So, how much can you contribute into this particular? There's a, an IRS limit. It's not an unlimited amount of money. You can only contribute twenty five thousand dollars a year. That stayed fixed for quite a, quite a number of years. But I mean, it's not actually just twenty five thousand uh, dollars. There, there can actually be some uh, some subtlety and complexity here as well. That twenty five thousand dollars is taking into account the discount as well. So, you know, in, in our in our kind of hypothetical example here, where we were saying it was a fifteen percent discount. 
we would basically just say 85% of that $25,000, which I, 85 is that it's $21,250. So the actual dollars that you can, you can purchase. So it's kind of taking in that discount into consideration. And then there's, again, even further of a rabbit hole that you can go down, which is, well, if your offering period straddles two calendar years, you could potentially be using, you could be con- utilizing a, a, an annual limit from last year in this current year, uh, just because that, that offering period was, was in, in two calendar years. And then to mention this, this limit that they're looking for, the, the most that you can uh, purchase there's a total amount of shares that you can purchase with that, and that and that's dependent on the first of off, the start of the offering period window. Um, that determines kind of that upper limit of how many shares that you can purchase. And so, if the share price ended up going down, you could be, say, for example, only able to put in seventeen thousand dollars worth uh, just because of you already hit the maximum amount of shares that you can you can put in. So, you know, again, on its face seems very simple and straightforward and, and you could treat it as such but there are definitely some some nuance and complexity that that uh, can bog things down yeah yeah there are a lot of nuances for sure i think you know understanding what kind of what the most you can contribute is is important you know that's I think companies can set a maximum percentage and then the IRS has a maximum, so you can only kind of, you know, contribute up to, I guess, what is the less of those two things, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then if, you know, if you contribute, I think you're actually able, you may be able to contribute, like, more than the 25000 but essentially, like, it just won't get used. You're kind of just giving somebody, a maybe the, the brokerage or your company, a kind of a an interest-free loan or something. You're basically contributing money, and then you'll just get a refund uh, at the end of the period for whatever it was not used and stuff like that. So, you know, it definitely makes sense to try to, think about like a you know if you're able to maximize it that's definitely great so you know figure out what kind of a percentage of your income needs to hit that twenty five thousand dollars but yeah it is me confusing because there are yeah it's like an annual contribution limit and it can roll over uh, and so there are little strategies you can do to try to maximize it but you know i'll be honest like i've spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to figure it out and every time i do it my, my brain kind of gets a little bit it hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of more in the set it and forget it. Just contribute the same amount every every pay period and then, you know, sell it as soon as you can. And it's a, just a nice little bonus, you know, every year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, being mindful of how much you can take it, take out from a cash flow perspective as well, depending on if you have enough in savings to kind of, when you first get started, you know, you're, you're not seeing much of that return. And so, yeah, you got to you have to weather that that first period before the the purchase actually happens, and then the money gets, and then the uh, the dollars get sent back to you. But yeah, a, a good little strategy is to you know do do an amount that you feel comfortable. Uh, and, and I believe most most uh, plans allow you to dial back. I don't believe you're able to dial further up when you're in the middle of a purchase period. But, but yeah, do an amount that you feel comfortable, and then you know you're basically gonna. After the initial purchase period, you sell down, and then you could use those funds to help you sort of weather the the cash flow period, and then kind of continue to build up that that amount if you're not immediately investing those dollars. So, you know, I would still say that you know I would probably rank the 401k match from your employer to be higher than this. Then, but this is certainly a close second if you consider the uh, the discount and 
you know, in terms of the uh, overall uh, benefit there. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on a little bit in terms of timing for when you might need money, right? Because, uh, you know, any contribution to a 401k is uh, designed to to really provide you with income at retirement age, right? And so, but if you have goals for like, want to buy a house in a couple of years, right? I think ESVP is good because, you know, any money that you contribute, you usually will get back in within six months or certainly within a year. I forget it kind of how it works, but something like that. And again, you can stop contributing at any time or you can usually almost always reduce your contributions as well. And then when you do that, I believe how it works is like on the purchase date, you just get a refund, you just get that money back. So you will be out with those funds for a little bit, like kind of giving that loan again. And then you'll just get those funds back. No, I guess, yeah, if you withdraw, you would get the funds back completely. But I think I don't see a reason to, unless, yeah, there are some games that you can play to try to maximize this. So you might, there's maybe some reasons that you would withdraw and you wouldn't actually go through the purchase. But if you just simply, you know, set your contribution rate to zero, you would stop contributing. And then when that purchase date happened, it would just use whatever you've contributed, obviously up to whatever kind of limit that you are subject, are being subject to. Yeah. So I think overall, I mean, the biggest question, you know, people might ask is, again, it sounds like there's complexity at different areas, maybe still, you know, I I know, at least myself, I want to know fully what I'm getting myself into before I move forward on it. Sometimes I, folks who are really wary of it, maybe just start with a small number that that you're not going to, you know, Fifty, hundred dollars, or whatever it may be—that some small percentage, one percent, or whatever it may be—try it out, see how it works, see how it operates, and then you know, as you get that knowledge base under you, you sh- and, and you feel confident, you can up that that amount. So, uh, I think it in total, I think it's a it's a fantastic benefit. And you know, again, we're talking about buying something that's worth at least fifteen percent more than what you're what you're actually buying at. So that that's a huge that's a huge benefit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's 15%. So yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're able to contribute the maximum $25,000, it's, I don't know, I haven't done the math in a while, but I think roughly good for about $4,000 a year at minimum, right? That assumes the stock price doesn't go up at all, that it either it's always going down or it's uh, always staying the same and obviously assumes that you're always selling it as soon as you're making the purchase price. Like, I think it's good for about $4,000 of, of kind of income. So it is taxable. But anyway, it could be much greater than that if if the stock rises during that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you do have this option, definitely investigate it further. You might have to, you might be in during the middle of a offering period. So might have to wait until the next kind of entry point to to get into the plan but yeah overall i think it's a it's a strong strong benefit we were we were just chatting about this before you know this could be a, a whole episode in and of itself but do keep in mind too that if you know like you're saying if you've got rsus or in a period where you've got a, a lowering stock price and you end up selling some rsus that you had had for a loss or i mean heck even just if you had owned that stock personally or something like that this would, this would be a purchase period. So this also would essentially consider a wash sale rule if you are, and, and a quick side note about that. So wash sale rule just basically means that if you sold something and then you immediately bought back within a 30-day period on either end, then that loss that you had is not able to be recognized until 
un- until there's enough time passed. And, and so basically that loss would just be rolled over to the new shares that you purchased. And so it's not to say you lost that that loss that you're trying to, your capital loss, but it's, it's something to be mindful and, and all of the different pieces that that come together. You know, if you've got your RSU vests and you've got other things that are that you're buying and selling. So just, just kind of keep that in mind uh, with this. So, um, but yeah, and anything else on the employee stock purchase plan, Lauren? I I, I I know that we could go into certain levels of detail and nuance, but I, I don't. It's it's hard when you're doing this all audio on an audio basis, and 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 sometimes can be, people can kind of glaze over on on uh, these some of these more minute details. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it's definitely worth participating. I mean, under try to understand the details of your particular plan, you know, and your company should have someone like if, if your company offers this it's probably a fairly like good sized public company and there are you know uh, there should be people at, your, at the company employees or i mean excuse me like i don't know like hr benefit. hr i bet yep. people to help explain questions that, i mean they're not going to give you tax advice certainly or tell you how it's taxable but they should tell you the details of how it works and what the purchase dates are things like that and yeah i think it doesn't hurt to start with a small amount to get comfortable with it um, and in terms of, you know, how you might contribute to this to compared to other types of things, and we talked a little bit about how, you know, maybe compared to 401k matching or other things, uh, just want to kind of wanted to plug episode seven that we recorded, which was kind of what are things to do before investing. So as you think about, like, let's say you have some debt, you know, depending on the interest rate, how you might want to think about this. But, you know, I think generally, like you can kind of think about this as, something like a, well, I guess, what do we think? Like, yeah, minimum of 15% return, right? And that's even, mm-hmm. um, that's less than, that's in less than six months, right? Typically. Uh, so I don't know what that math is exactly, but it's a very high return. So I think even if you have a fairly high interest loan, like I would feel like maximizing this is probably a good idea. But anyway, refer back to that episode, just kind of help, help you think through how you would kind of prioritize either investments or paying off debt or other, ob- other obligations or goals. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess I'll just on the debt side too. As long as you're making your minimum payments on those, mm-hmm. those items, and you know you've got a six month period in which you're able to get these these funds deposited into your account, yeah, that could be a, a strategy to potentially help you get out of there quicker. I mean, obviously you're just kind of incurring interest along the way while you're waiting for that, but again, that discount could could add to be much more. So it's a powerful, some, somewhat underlooked. Uh, vehicle people yeah. could use. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, just to clarify, I was saying that I was thinking about mostly like student loans and mortgages prob- and auto loans, probably not credit card debt, but you know, it depends. I don't know what yeah. rates are and stuff like that. It's just look at the, the rates and understand that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so that was a good plug. And uh, yeah, we'll also uh, put some, maybe some visuals and stuff like that or links to some resources with regard to how this works and and you know if people want to dive into more of the detail there's there's more than enough uh, guides and resources out there but yeah we'll, we'll link in the show notes there yeah so this is a little bit of a shorter episode we wanted frankly on my end i wanted to try it out let us know your thoughts if you like more of these bite-sized approach episodes or if you prefer something that's a little bit longer longer form and and diving into to more of the detail but uh, yeah, let us know that. And then also, if you've got any uh, specific questions that you would like us to ask, I think we'll one of these days have a, an episode where we're, we're kind of going over uh, audience questions that have sent, been sent in and, uh, and or new topics that you want us to, to, to touch on. So 
to do that, yeah, feel free to send us a line at uh, feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. That's feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. As always, thank you all for for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. We're a new podcast and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks and see you next time.